thanks for joining us again. Once again, we're going to be delving into uh, some fun facts that we used to think were true, but aren't quite true. Looking at 10 more facts about the body and how it functions that aren't quite true. But before we get started, once again, if you are enjoying what we're putting out there, please make sure you give us a like and subscribe. It's going to help us out with all of the metrics. Warning. The following presentation contains information that might contradict what you have previously heard or believed to be true about how the human body works and contains material that is not suitable for closed-minded individual. Enjoy. So here we go with the next set of 10 facts. Fact 1. Large amounts of fat in your diet causes you to be fat. Well, actually, the idea about having large amounts of fat in your diet generating you to have large amounts of body fat comes from some very poorly designed studies and a marketing program that came about in an attempt to offset high amounts of cholesterol within the blood and an association between high amounts of cholesterol in the blood and saturated fats, which doesn't hold to be true if we look at all of the various types of diets that are out there. What we do know is that if we look at what nutrients we happen to have in the body, higher amounts of fructose in the diet seems to have a greater impact on accumulating body fat than eating fat does. But even then, diet is just one of a host of factors that comes into play as it relates to body composition and body fatness. Fact two, having the gene for something means that you will automatically have it. Well, actually, there's a lot of factors that are going to come into play as it relates to the expression of any specific type of trait. Changes in gene expression is going to be done through genetic regulation and epigenetic regulation. Genetic reg regulation is typically done through hormonal signals. Epigenetic regulation is typically done through various types of stresses, nutritional status, or environmental stresses that causes a change in what genes might be turned on or turned off for long periods of time. Just because you happen to have a genetic trait does not mean that you're going to automatically express that genetic trait. You have to have all of the regulators that are going to indicate that gene being expressed. Fact three, organic and natural foods are healthier and more nutritious for us. Taking a natural supplement is safer than taking a drug from a drug company. Actually, the concept of organic or natural being safer or healthier is a marketing play. Whether a food is going to be healthier or not is going to be based off of what impact might it have on our physiology. As it relates to drugs and or natural supplements, what we have to remember is that the drug and the natural supplement is going to have to work on the same hormone regulators and on the same hormone receptors and on the same hormone, hormone pathways. Just because we label something as being natural or organic does not necessarily mean it's going to have any type of change in how it's going to act in the body. When we look at the natural supplements, we have to be careful because most of those indicated natural supplements have not been studied to determine dose responses for individuals, and it may have an impact on other types of things that we are consuming as it relates to our overall physiological state and our ability to optimally perform or maintain our homeostasis. Fact four, you should follow diets based on your blood type. There's no evidence to indicate that blood type is going to dictate your metabolism or what kind of diet you should follow. In fact, most of the dietary recommendations that we see coming away from the proponent of the blood type diet is the same type of dietary intake across all of the various types of blood types. 
Fact five. Women have fewer red blood cells than men because of menses, which is the scientific term for the period. Well, actually, there's a whole bunch of things that come into play here. So when we look at the blood composition, when we look at the components of blood, we have to remember is that total blood volume is going to be about 8% of the total body weight, which averages to be about 4 to 6 liters for most adults. In terms of the differences that we see in the erythrocytes, the red blood cells, and the amount of hemoglobin and the hematocrit that's there, it's about the size difference in between males and females, where males will have more total blood and more total blood cells in, re- in regards to their red blood cells. But there's no difference that we see in terms of white blood cells or in terms of platelets. So what's going to cause this difference? Well, if we look at it, here is the feedback loop as it relates to generating new red blood cells. When we get signals that say we need more oxygen carrying capacity, what's up happening is from the kidneys, we get a hormone known as EPO, erythropoietin. Erythropoietin is going to head to the bone marrow, in particular the red bone marrow, to trigger the generation of red blood cells. Testosterone and androgens are going to come into play, stimulating additional generation of the red blood cells. When we have appropriate cofactors such as iron and vitamin B, in particular B12, we get maturation of those red blood cells to alleviate the anemic signals that had initially caused that instigation for needing red blood cells. So, it's body size and relative differences in androgens that's going to cause the difference that we see in red blood cell concentrations between males and females, not having a menses or having a period. Fact six. Men need additional testosterone and growth hormone later in life to offset aging issues. Well, actually, the reduction we see in testosterone, particularly after puberty, is because males are no longer developing reproductively. The peaks that we see in testosterone during puberty is to ensure that we get proper reproductive development and maturation. Once that has taken place, we should see a natural reduction in testosterone. Reduction in growth hormone is going to be seen following the last of the growth spurts. Regardless of how it's pitched, neither of those drops, neither of those reductions, is detrimental to overall health. If we're worried about amounts of growth hormone and amounts of testosterone, there's a very easy fix. We know that each will elevate in response to resistance exercise or strength training, particularly when we start reaching maximal levels. But you don't have to necessarily get to maximal levels. You simply have to increase the level of resistance exercise or strength training. That doesn't necessarily mean having to go and lift weights but it means having to do some sort of loading of the body beyond what the muscles are comfortable moving against. Fact seven, there are only two sexes and thus two genders. Well, actually, gender is a social construct and sexes occur along a continuum where the expression of what we consider to be male and or female is based off of hormonal influences during developmental periods. Instead of seeing two distinct populations, a female population and a male population, what we see is a population with two distinct peaks around the average male and around the average female in terms of what we consider to be the social construct of gender and or sex. But there is not a distinct male or a distinct female 
And it goes back to the point about just because I have the genes doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to express those genes. There's a host of reasons why we may not express our sexual characteristics based off of hormonal sensitivities and genetic expressions. Fact eight. Eating large meals causes food comas because of a rise of insulin after a meal. Well, actually, food coma is very complex. And so what's happening is that as we start to eat, signals coming away from areas of the body, which changes the signaling coming out of the hypothalamus, which increases a hormone known as POMC. POMC causes changes in various neurotransmitters, in particular serotonin and dopamine, which causes us to stop eating. We get changes in melatonin and endorphins, which causes a change in our want to have food intake. The problem is, is that our want to stop eating typically happens after we've stopped eating, meaning that we have too much signal coming in. That too much signal is what's going to lead to that food gum. Back nine, humans have stopped evolving. Actually, evolution is a continuous process. It's going to occur within populations based off of selection pressures for mates or based off of the need to adapt to distinct environmental stresses in order to allow for offspring to survive. What we have seen recently within the last four to five generations of the human population is an increase in body size, a change in various types of metabolic processes, as well as changes in several physical traits within select populations based on environmental stresses. One of the most interesting changes that we have seen in a physical trait is a change in a couple of little bony spots in our skulls that have grown in response to our use of small electronic devices in a what's referred to as chin-tucked position, that is where we are looking in a downward position. We have also seen changes in eyesight where populations have become more nearsighted due to changes in environmental signaling, if these changes give an advantage to reproducing, then we will see an evolution occur within the human population. If we get advantages that changes reproductive frequencies or changes reproductive selections between subset populations, we can see actual changes in species. That's how evolution of species is going to come about. But we do see evolution taking place within and across the human population. Fact 10. Running on hard surfaces leads to arthritis in the knees. Actually, arthritis is an inflammatory disease that comes from trauma or poor muscle control of the joints. That poor muscle control of the joints leads to improper loading, which causes additional trauma to occur. If we look at running in particular, with proper technique and proper muscle strengthening to control hip, knee, and ankle movement during running, running does not cause any increase in the incidence for arthritis to take place. The idea of having increased arthritis in the knees comes from a very poor correlative study of non-competitive runners who have other inflammatory issues taking place. But if we're able to control the inflammation, if we're able to control the muscle strength around the joints of the hip, the knee, and the ankle, and utilize proper running technique, then we're able to ensure no increase in the risk for arthritis. Well, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you got some uh, interesting points coming out. As with all of the other facts that we're 
tossing out there, please make sure you drop in the comments anything else that you might want us to try to tackle or explain that you think is true. And remember to go ahead and click that like button, click the subscribe, and make sure you rate and review and give us that positive five-star review. Helps out with the metrics. If you haven't, please make sure you follow us on all of the various platforms that are out there, the YouTube, podcasts, as well as on the Substack. You'll also be able to see us on the Instagram and on the threads.